to live stream number 34. This is actually my second take because the first time around I made the mistake of having yesterday's uh, title in the stream. And so on YouTube, I am still seeing that it thinks my last stream is live under the wrong title. So I'm just going to continuously refresh. Oh, here we go. Beautiful. So we're live. Welcome to live stream number 34, streaming to you live out of the best city in the world, Austin, Texas. And uh, the title of today's program is uh, Notifications Are Unprofessional, and it's all about the quadrant. So I am going to flesh that out for you here as we go. By the way, I'm working on my mic technique today. I appreciate that feedback from, from Ken and... Uh, I am going to work on improving my technique. So, got my phone pulled up here and uh, should be able to see any questions and comments that come into the program. Um, so without any further ado, let me jump into the content for today. Uh, so this was a question that I got. Um, this was a question that I got from somebody who was um, getting ready for a Magento 2 lead developer role, a uh, technical interview. And um, you know they asked like, what are some questions I might encounter kind of a thing. And so I went ahead and crowdsourced um, that question to try and get some good feedback. And I got some good feedback. So I'm gonna review these items um, here in the program. And um, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So let's just go ahead and do it then, man. Um, okay, <laughs> Steve Perry. Now, obviously, anytime you ask anything on, on Twitter, you're going to get a healthy dose of, of uh, sarcastic replies that is par for the course. If an M2 site crashes but has no visitors, does it make a sound? Very good. Very good. Well done. Well done. Well done. Okay, next up. Uh, Justin, ba uh, Justin Bosch, um, I'd ask, why do you believe Magento 2 is the right move versus Shopify? Their response and true understanding of the platform should be shown in this answer. This is an interesting approach, and it's funny. As somebody who has been very Magento-centric and is starting to dip my toe into the Shopify waters, this is something that I think is very... Um, is very important to understand. I mean, in this day and age, you know, we do sort of all have to understand the various platforms and what their strengths and weaknesses are and how we might recommend solutions to be architected. That said, I'm not 100% sure. It depends it depends on the type of job you're you're interviewing for and I don't know exactly what this particular case the person was what job they're interviewing for. You know, there's still agencies that do primarily Magento dev work. And if you're a lead developer that does Magento dev work, um, you sort of don't need to know this. If you're a solutions architect, you absolutely got to know this. Uh, but that was an interesting approach. Um, of course, Chris uh, chiming in here. What is an accurate timeline for a build? The, the snark on the snark on these Twitter replies is just unbelievable david lambauer is it okay to send an email from a controller <laughs> the cr only correct answer is it depends um 
I have sent my fair share of emails from a controller. I will have you know. I know a little little bit about that. Danny Rafike, Rafike, Rafik, uh, is Shopify what Magento should have been? Again, again with the Shopify jokes, people. For crying out loud. Um, question from Nathan here. Who's leading the interview? That's a great question. I don't actually know the answer, but this is an important question. Of course, if you are somebody that's prepping for an interview, um, are you talking to, uh, uh, are you talking to a tech lead of an agency? Are you talking to an e-com director at a merchant? Who are you talking to? So that's obviously going to be important for my purposes. I'm sort of imagining it's a tech director at an agency for this particular use case. Now we're getting some real actual quality responses from some individuals that wanted to actually contribute to the discussion, starting with Irfan Imani, um, who, by the way, is a super athlete. Please describe Magento 2's application bootstrap procedure. That's great. And as an example of someone that is not currently a Magento 2 developer, I would have no idea how to answer that. Um, but yeah, understanding this under the hood definitely shows that you've put in some reps in uh under the hood so that's an interesting one um clarification here on a high level if someone at least mentions the front control and routers that's good yeah yeah i mean i on m1 i've definitely gotten my hands dirty in in that system um digging in there troubleshooting thing troubleshooting things um lars uh Rotig, um Rotate uh, different different between production and dev mode. Difference between production and dev mode. Plugins load or okay, so the, I'm a little little bit uh, having trouble reading this. Plugins load order routes and ACL module load. AOP aspect oriented programming and DI over DI.xml hard and soft dependency from module. Sure makes sense. Um, Another great one from Irfan. Uh, what are some good examples? By the way, Irfan was a guest on Mage Talk. If you have not caught that episode, you need to catch it. You can simply Google Mage Talk Irfan, and it should come right up. Bam! What did I tell you? You got to check that episode out because it was a goodie. An oldie but a goodie. Um, okay. Okay. Um... This kind of cracked me up. Reply to a tweet with a link to a contact form. Okay, okay, all right. I'll jump right on that. I'm going to jump right on that contact form. Okay, so that about covers it. So thanks, everybody, for chiming in. I think there's some good nuggets in here. If you are somebody prepping for an interview, um, there are some, some good nougats in there. So there you have it. All right, next up in the program, note that I still have not gotten to the items that are in the title of the episode. So if you are watching along the full episode, then you might have been clickbaited. <laughs> Although really what I'm trying to do more now is after I finish the episode, posting a tweet and a LinkedIn post with time-coded references to each topic so you can fast-forward directly to whatever you're interested in okay all right so uh next up um i kind of i'm considering switching up the order if 
but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick to the original order in my dock here for consistency purposes. And I just have two more topics before I get to the notifications are unprofessional topic. All right. So bear with me. Okay. Next up. Um, oh, I got to pull up the linkage here. I'm much more on top of my topical links for today's episode than I was yesterday. If you were following along yesterday, you know that that was pretty much an utter crapshoot. All right, so I was listening to Gary V podcast as I do every day. It's my inspiration. Um, and I do not remember exactly which episode this was, uh, so I apologize, but he's talked about something that kind of blew my mind a little bit. He was talking about uh, being, um, the topic is, is not having privacy a good thing. And here's, we're going to get to this. Bear with me. I'm going to get to this here through a, through a circuitous route. Did I use that correctly? That was pretty good. A circuitous route. Um, so he was talking about sort of being authentic. Um, you know, so many of us have, you know, secrets, things we're ashamed of. He, he, okay. So he was talking about all putting all your most vulnerable things just out there, just putting everything out there. Right. And Gary Vee is a guy who sort of lives his life virtually pretty much entirely in public. And, um, and he was, you know, he's talking about how it's a good thing to just not have any, uh, secrets. Um, and he said at one point he goes, you know, I have 25 people in my inbox all the time. Right. So he has a huge team. I'm sure he has people managing his email, his various social media DMS, everything, right? Like he, he essentially has no privacy from that perspective. Now he, he's talked about how his personal life is is private, you know, they don't even do social media when it comes to his, his wife and his kids, that kind of a thing. But as far as, you know, his, his work life, all of that goes, he essentially has no privacy. Right. And, um, and, 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 and I was thinking about it from, you know, privacy is a big deal these days. Uh, we talk a lot about the importance of privacy and I think privacy is, is, is super important. Like, Excuse me. But at the same time, um, I thought this was a really interesting perspective that basically having, um, you know, and I, I think about this to be completely honest, like sometimes I'll send a DM or whatever to my friends about random topics. And I think to myself, like, ooh, like, like that might be politically incorrect. And, uh, you know, uh, if, you know, I wouldn't want that to be made public, that kind of a thing. And it does seem like it does feel like there is a um, there would be a freedom to sort of not having anything, you know, private, anything secret um, in the sense that whether it's, you know, having assistants that have access to all your communications or whatever the case may be, um, it's just a, it was just an interesting tweak on the way I normally think about privacy. And I'm not saying I think that like not having privacy is a good thing. I, I mean, that's why I'm, fr I'm framing this as, you know, maybe not having privacy is a good thing. It's just a, a thought experiment, if you will. Um, so yeah, so that, that was, that was, that's basically all, all I wanted to say about that. Okay. Next up in the program. Um, so this is, let me pull this up real quick. Okay. So this is probably having a hard time seeing this, but 
This is literally a screenshot of a formula, which I keep in Sublime, which, um, which I then paste into Airtable for my, this is essentially my assignment logic for um, my Airtable for my content team, video editors, writers, assistants, social media posting, all that kind of stuff. And um, this is a uh, this is a uh, this is a business idea, free business idea there for you, um, which is to. I think that, like, I was kind of surprised that Integramat doesn't really have this. I think Z Zapier kind of has it. Integramat doesn't really have it, which is like, I basically want so this get this formula gets pasted into Airtable as. This probably looks to you like an like a Excel or Google Sheets if conditional for, formula, which is basically the same things what Airtable supports. And so I, I paste this in, and if I have to change it, I go in and I change it, and then I paste it in. So I think it'd be awesome if we could just turn this into a, um, a UI, um, which was, you know, you've seen these types of things, a conditional UI where you can compose ifs and, and you can compose ands and ors and different conditionals and things like that. I was messing around with Data Studio yesterday and Data Studio has an interface for this type of thing. So I think there might be a little bit of a niche for literally a product SaaS that just lets you compose conditionals like this because it, that would integrate with Integramat and other things because I would, I would personally love to use that so that I could not have this crazy um, formula that I got to deal with and that it would be easy to modify and I could do it easily on my mobile and things like that. So that's a little that's a little idea as I'm as I'm getting into the no code world the 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 Zapier the Integramat Airtable all this kind of stuff, I'm 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 seeing gaps you know little product gaps. Um, and I think that there might be something there. Could be pretty simple little hackathon project, to be honest. And I think there'd be some value there. So there you have it, product idea. Okay, next up in the program. <clears throat> this whole next up in the program thing is like started as a silly, ir ironic phrase, and then it's it's one of those things you say something ironically, and then you start saying it unironically. All right, next up in the program, controversial opinion. As a developer, having notifications on while you work for anything, Slack, social media, email, et cetera, is unprofessional. So I was thinking about this yesterday, and I've talked about this before. I've talked about you know how I think it's important to um, turn off notifications while you're working. Uh, and I'm saying specifically as a developer, more broadly, this applies to deep work. So if you are a in a role which requires focused concentrated work um, i think this applies now if you're a manager where your primary function is coordinating between people and things like that you can talk about maker versus manager schedules if you're a manager this does not apply but if you are in a role where uh in you know you know focused work is required um i think this is true and um you know, we there's it's very well established that 
you know, interruptions. I mean, we've seen the, the, the stats and the tweets that when you get interrupted um, as a developer, it takes you an insanely long time to get back into the zone, whether you call it the zone, whether you call it a flow state, whether you call it being concentrated, whatever the case may be as a developer, you sort of have to, when you're working on a problem, you're sort of building a mental model of all the different things you're interacting with on within a code base and within a pro business problem domain. And it's, it's this sort of fragile balance in your head. And you know, if you get interrupted and tapped on the shoulder and asked the question, then it's going to take you a long time to get back into that focused state. So I think that as a developer, whether you're going into the zone for two hours at a time, three hours at a time, maybe even an hour, but probably it's got to be more than that. Probably two hours, three, four hours. Um, you really do have to go into the zone and, um, you know, it's, it's very common. I don't know how common it is. I mean, this is how I've worked personally for a while, but I think it's very common to have notifications on and it's like, well, I got to be on Slack because that's where the team is. Um, but my thing is like your most important work as a developer is to do the development work. Now, do you have to help other teammates? Yes. Um, but to the extent that your primary function is helping other teammates, that's putting you more in the manager category than the developer category, I think. And so maybe, maybe my thinking is a little rigid here. Uh, but and it, you know, but this is just my take on it. So got some comments rolling in already. Max Bucknell, uh, software development is an interesting profession. We've disrupted so many things and then realized that certain things we viewed as old corporate quagmires were rooted in good practice. But fundamentally, developers should aim to be the platonic ideal of employment. Okay, I that that's an interesting take. Which is to say, judged on outputs, as any job should be, but any job isn't right. Whether having notifications enabled can be empirically shown to negatively affect work of everyone is up for debate, I think. So I love what Max is saying about being judged on outputs, and I completely agree. And this is this is almost the root of why I think it's important to disable notifications because uh, as developers, we should not be judged on they respond quickly to Slack messages or they're always available. Yes, responsiveness is important. Uh, but responsiveness within a few hours is very different from responsiveness within a few minutes. And I completely agree. We should be judged on outputs. How much work are you actually pushing? Um, what, how much work are you actually getting done? And, and as Max rightly points out, um, this is sort of the platonic ideal of what any job should be, um, um, how any job should be judged. And, and they never are in practice. There's always some component, you know, there's component of, you know, politics or, you know, do I like this person or whatever. Um, um, now, the second part, I have to say, I completely disagree with. Whether having notifications enabled can be empirically shown to negatively affect work of everyone is up for debate. I, I disagree. I think, and I don't have the stats handy here, but I've seen some, I've just seen this so many times that, um, getting into a flow state, getting into a focus state, getting pulled out of it, whether it's a notification, anything you have to pay attention to, if it's a notification, if it's a tap on the shoulder, um, is going to pull you out of that state. And it's going to take you a non-trivial amount of time to get pulled back into that state. So 
I do agree. I definitely agree with this. I don't, I do not think it's up for debate that having notifications enabled negatively affects your work. I think it's, 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 uh, I think that's the, the science is clear on that. <laughs> I hate it when people say that. Okay. Uh, comment from Devron. Um, by the way, sweet avatar. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, depends on the environment, in my opinion. If you've got a lot of developers working remotely together, then you need to be able to help each other. The longer I do software development, the more I agree with Uncle Bob's view on the zone. This is this is interesting, and this is a very interesting reference because Uncle Bob Martin is sort of widely revered within the development community. Like it's almost like if I'm if I'm going to disagree with him right now, that's like it's like that's like somebody you don't want to disagree with as a general rule. But we'll see. I might just go there. And then the reference tweet from Uncle Bob is, I consider the zone, quote, the zone to be an extreme narrowing of focus. I agree there. And therefore harmful over extended periods. Completely disagree with that. I don't think it's harmful at all. Usually I want a kind of wide angle focus, intense, but not exclusionary. This is something an IFR pilot understands. So I can't help but feel that like, he's on like another level that I'm not understanding, you know, like he's on like a higher Yoda level of understanding here. And which is probably the case. It's probably the case. He's right. And I'm wrong, but I'm just going to say that I disagree. Um, I don't understand the IFR pilot reference. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can have an intense focus that's not exclusionary, then that's great. Intense focus is the goal. Um, I, I'm not sure I, I've ever personally experienced this, what he's described as a wide angle focus. So it's possible I just don't get it, but I'm going to I'm gonna just foolishly go on record saying I disagree with that. Um, now, going back to Devron's um, comment, if you've got a lot of developers working remotely together, then you need to be available to help each other. So I completely agree, but I think the nature of the help should be asynchronous within a, um, let's call it a two to three hour window. So, so if you've got 10 developers, all of those developers should go into the zone for extended periods of time. To, let's just say three hours, just to pick a specific number. Could be two to three. It could be an hour and a half. Let's just say three hours in order to in order to use a specific number. So the way that I in in my vision of the world, each of those ten developers should be going into the zone, no notifications for three hour periods. When they come out of the zone is when they should come up for air, respond to things, respond to questions, help each other. Now. First of all, um, for starters, uh, I think that if you're working remotely as a developer, you got to be senior. If you're a junior developer, you need a lot of handholding. I don't know that that can even work. I, I haven't seen a lot of it myself personally. So let's assume, first off, that you're talking about 10 developers that are senior developers working together remotely. Um, yes, you definitely should help each other. That adds a huge amount of value to the team as a whole. But I think the nature of the help should be fundamentally asynchronous as opposed to synchronous. Um, if, if you are a developer who now, again, if you've got 10 developers going to the zone for three hours at a time, the, the chance that at any given time, somebody might be available to answer a question 
is probably decent, right? But if you can't, let's say that as an individual developer, you have to wait an hour or two hours to get a response from somebody on the team to help you out. As a senior developer, if you can't use that time productively in some way by trying to figure out on your own, that's sort of a red flag, right? If you're a junior developer, I get it. You're going to be lost for hours at a time, right? But if you're a senior developer, um, you should be able to make productive use of that hour or two hour by investigating things yourself. And then at the two hour mark, somebody comes up for air and helps you move, move things along faster. That's awesome. I'm all about that. So those are my thoughts on the topic. Hopefully we will get more. Uh, I have a sense that we're going to get more responses to this, this particular controversial opinion. And uh, we will be reporting back on, um, we will be reporting back on this throughout the, throughout the day. Actually, no, report back on it tomorrow. All right. Next up in the program, the Gartner Magic Quadrant. So <clears throat> I have been ranting about different Magento um, um, things lately. I've been talking about the importance of API coverage. And um, um, the um, was having a discussion with some 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 tweeps about this, and uh, one buddy of mine, you know, really um, made like I was saying, like, man, API coverage is the most important priority by far. Like, there should be a laser focus on getting that done, like yesterday. And then a buddy of mine sort of very clearly, I don't have the tweet hand, handy, but sort of very clearly expressed, like, dude, it is all about the ma the Gartner Magic Quadrant. So Gartner Magic Quadrant, um, if you haven't seen this by now and you've been in the Magento community, I don't know where you have been living, but it seems like this is up on slide decks. It talks all the time. They basically, they position technology players within a specific market. So they, they, they position people in these four areas of the quadrant. And uh, let me just see if I can pull this up. Magic Quadrant Magento. Let's see if we can quickly. Actually, I can probably do an image search on this. Here we go. Magic Quadrant for Digital Commerce. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about. This is a better image. This is a better image here. Open image and new tab. This is a low resolution image, so this is actually a bad image. Let me see if I can get the higher re resolution image. Bear with me here. And it's a low resolution image there too. What does it take to get a high resolution image, man? What is the deal? Where are these suckers, man? Why is there no higher resolution version of this? There we go. That looks better. There we go. Now this is... What in the world is this? Where's Magento? Magento Commerce. Challengers. Okay. I, is this old? This might be old because I thought that uh, this is from, oh, this is from 2016. So, 
anybody watching this is going to hate the fact that I'm pulling something up that where Magento is not in the leaders. I believe they're in the leaders category now um, and not the challengers. Anyway, the point is um, the point is that um, my buddy sort of expressed really clearly like the magic quadrant is the like this is this is the entire focus of and this is not based on any inside information, private information I've gotten from anybody. This is just based on, you know, public speculation. It's kind of it's kind of obvious. It's kind of common sense. It's very much common sense. But just to see this sort of really clearly, like whenever we talk about, um, you know, the Magento should focus on this. Magento should focus on that. You know, the community needs this. The community needs that. As far as the commercial arm goes, now you've got the Open Source Association, which of course has its own direction, its own leadership, its own independence, which is sweet. As far as the commercial arm goes, this is the North Star. This is what it's all about, right? So when I say, oh, Magento should really focus on API coverage, da 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 If that doesn't factor in heavily to... Um, the magic quadrant and I don't know too much about how it actually works, you know, like Gartner has, you know, analysts that analyze stuff and figure stuff out. But uh if 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 that doesn't factor into this, it's not going to matter to the leadership. Um and again, this is not based on any private information I have from anybody. This is just all based on public speculation. Um th this is the game. The magic quadrant is the game. It's it's, in my opinion, what people, what the leadership on the Magento side, the, the Adobe Commerce side, care about. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so that that's, I mean, that's that's pretty much the point I wanted to make. Whenever we are debating what should be prioritized, what should not be prioritized, we need to keep in mind that this is really the only thing that matters at all. Now, that's in a bit of an overstatement, of course. I mean. Magento Adobe, they care about their customers and, and, and partners. Of course, of course, goes without saying. I'm just saying that this is probably by far the biggest driver of of priorities. And so maybe maybe what that means is, if we are going to recommend something or push for something as a community, we should frame it within the context of how it will benefit the the position on the quadrant. You know, I don't know. I don't really understand too much about this thing, but. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to say. So my whole thing about prioritizing API coverage heavily, I'm, I'm going to myself. And they are prioritizing it. But like to really do it in the way that like I personally feel should be done, like that's not going to happen. Like I, I, would, I would venture to guess that Magic Quadrant doesn't care too much about API coverage. Uh, but I could be wrong. All right, next up in the program. So, saw this tweet from Pizza Emoji, Mark William Lewis, my buddy Mark. Um, I love Ecom Scan. Uh, we're paying for an agency license so all our clients can be covered by it. It's been invaluable in securing both M1 and M2 sites, particularly for extension vulnerabilities. 
and he's referencing a tweet from. So the Twitter handle is ecomscan. The name is Sang Sanguine Security Labs, which is um, e-commerce fraud protection smart CCTV. I don't know what CCTV means. It, I it sounds like closed caption TV, <laughs> which I know that's not it. Um, um, researching form jackers, payment skimmers, miners, and Magecart. And now, so this is. Um, the latest venture from, I believe, from Willem de Groot, who, um, just trying to pull this up here. There's a link to the thing here. Um, who is um, obviously um, of, of fame in the Magento community, um, who uh, uh, I believe was the founder of Byte Hosting, either the founder or he used to work there and of course created um oh gosh what's it called the the scanner mage mage scan I'm sorry I'm 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 point is Willem is a freaking beast when it comes to um all things uh security um uh detecting uh detecting hacks um within the Magento community I mean he the number of things I mean he, he's he's an absolute genius in this in this category and um no it's not mage it's not mage scan and so uh so anyway like um i i don't know exactly how long this has existed obviously willem has done a ton of things um in this space in various different forms and what was the scanning thing called mage scan willem de Groot. i remember that the scanning thing he created was um this is so annoying that i can't remember what this is called magento scan shows you how disconnected i i have become here anyway but his scanning thing i was pretty much free i remember and i remember feeling like man i would i'd love to see him monetize that because um it's so valuable and that'll enable him to do more of what he does best, helping the Magento community essentially secure their their sites. And so it looks to me like Sanguine is is absolutely crushing it, which is so good to see. I mean, the amount of value that Willem contributes um, uh, to the community is almost like immeasurable. And so much so much of that he did. Um, I uh, sort of for free in a way for a while. And I'm, I'm just really glad to see that he's monetizing it really effectively here. Um, I got, I should do a full on review of his actual site at some point. Um, cause I like doing those site reviews. Uh, so hacked Magento store, resolve it within two hours. How does Ecomscan work? Website looks great by the way. So Ecomscan is fed 24/7 with threat intelligence multiple sources. Learn why Ecomscan is usually weeks ahead in detecting the latest type. And 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 like Will this is the thing is like Willem is always the first one to find all this stuff. You know, like the amount of stuff he contributed to um the um contributed to the uh what's it called the um uh, contribution the Magento um the bug bounty program is is massive and and again it's just it seems like it's being monetized really really well so here's how it all works um i mean it just looks awesome so it looks like 
uh, it looks like he's starting to pick up some great clients. Um, uh, you know, again, going back to the original tweet, Mark has got an agency license. Um, and, um, hopefully a lot of other people, um, are, are doing that. And so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it. So I, I should do a more thorough review of that at some point, but obviously some of the security stuff is a little over my head, but, um, but yeah, if you are doing it, you know, you should definitely, if you are, if you build Magento sites, if you're on a Magento site, you should probably be using this. Uh, you should probably be, you should probably be using this. So that is it. That's all I have for today, and I want to thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you have yourself a fantastic Tuesday, 